0: Here we are with Ravenloft Reincarnated, a Savage Worlds Ravenloft game, The Conspiracy at Kresik, the introduction episode. That's There's a bunch of semicolons, listeners. So uh, it is January 2018. I am Devin, the I Think It's Still Storyteller, and to my left we have X playing Y.
1: Nicole playing Annika Oxinger, who is a uh, old lady whose family runs the local inn slash tavern.
0: And Tyler playing Phineas Grousefellow, human inventor and tinkerer and entrepreneur. <coughs> Kevin playing Asher, who is a drunken half-elf.
2: <laughs> and Peter L. Jack Angus, the field medic from World War One.
0: Perfect. We'll get into these characters a little bit more later, listeners. Let's do a bit of a crash course in what exactly you're listening to. So... System. We're running in Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds is a pulp adventure system that's pretty good at being a pulp-punchy adventure system. It's different from D&D. It's a little more... it's about... it's lighter on the combat mechanics, but a bit more abstract. We actually haven't played it before, so I don't have much of an opinion for you listeners. This is our first intro to it. Second half. It's in Ravenloft. Ravenloft is an old D&D setting. Uh, it was popular in AD&D. It came out with the first module. Um, what's it called? Castle Ravenloft or something? Oh. Song
1: Griffin? No, No,
0: that, that's a sequel. We didn't prepare at all for this. <laughs> there was a module that was about a castle called Castle Ravenloft, listeners. And you fought a vampire named Strahd, and you probably didn't kill him. He probably killed your party, and he was much more interesting than your characters. <laughs> This spawned a lot of interest in the gothic horror genre and the type of characters and villains you can make from that genre, and eventually, by the time AD&D rolled around, all the disparate modules that were made were turned into a campaign setting called Ravenloft, the Demiplades of Dread or the Lands of Mist. Uh, Ravenloft's most successful printing run happened in the early days of 3rd edition, where White Wolf, with their sword and sorcery imprint, did... 3rd edition updates to all the lore and campaign material for Ravenloft. So they changed up the map, they streamlined the cores, they advanced the settings timeline, and they made it much more... really, they made it much more of a sandbox type game. So the briefest breakdown of Ravenloft, because we don't want to get into a lot of it, goes like this. There is a place called the Lands of Mist. It's a core continent that is bordered by weird fog at all times and oceans, and... It has a bunch of different nations in it that are connected by land borders, but they're all confusingly different. One will be French Renaissance, one will be a standard D&D Dark World, one will be basically Transylvania, one will be New Orleans, one will be prehistoric Earth with crocodiles that are intelligent. The reason for this is the Lands of Mist are a sort of cage or prison where unknowable powers take villainous people who fit the Gothic, uh, like, uh, protagonist-antagonist persona, and put them in this place and give them their own nation and in bizarre, fetishy ways, punish them for being shitty. Um, The most famous example is Strahd von Zarevich the Vampire and his nation of Barovia. Strahd von Zarevich was a soldier and a war hero for his not-Transylvania people. He conquered Barovia and ruled it and became old and saggy, and out of his prime. His younger brother, who was handsome and better than him, married a hot woman, and Strahd coveted the crap out of her to the point where on their wedding night, he murdered his brother in a pact with a devil, and then tried to seduce his wife. Um, then his guards realized that he was murdering his brother and murdered him, and he became a vampire, push, accidentally pushed the wife over the uh, edge of the wall, or she jumped, it's up to debate, and she fell into a misty patch, and all of a sudden the entire land he had conquered of Brovia, went somewhere else. And now Strahd's a vampire who lives in Barovia and people can't leave and the land's under his control because he is the land and his ironic punishment is every generation a woman is born who's basically supposed to be the reincarnation of the woman he loved, Tanya. And any time he tries to get her, an elaborate Rube Goldberg series of events plays out that causes her to die literally a second before she'd accept him as his eternal lover and he'd be happy. And this happens constantly, every generation. He goes to this elaborate play where he almost gets everything he wants, and it's stolen from him, and he gets mad. Really mad. Probably mad at the adventurers that foiled his uh, true love. <laughs> they do not come out of this smelling like roses. That's basically a glimpse into the mind of it. The entire world that Strahd lives in is built to torture him, and, and trick him, and keep his attention occupied, and make him think everything's fine, he's in control right up until it pulls the rug out from under him and makes him miserable. But that's horrific, because the people who live in his domain are real fucking people. They live real lives, they have real wants and desires and hopes, and they don't know they're part of an elaborate Saw-type scenario on a meta-scale, where it's all a prison to torture one guy. Every country in Ravenloft, to an extent, is like this. It's all about tragic irony and tragic characters. You got the dude who made Frankenstein's monster, you got um, Bluebeard, you have all these people, uh, Dorian Gray, the Invisible Man, all these assholes live in Ravenloft and think they're in power and think they're clever and think they're in charge and play games of torturing people for their own goals, and then they get kicked in the junk. Forever. That is a very crude breakdown of Ravenloft, but that's kind of what the setting is like. Ravenloft is defined by its interesting antagonists and how the players contrast their characters against those antagonists. How much are you like Strahd? Because Strahd's not a bad guy because he's a vampire. Strahd's a bad guy because he's a fratricidal dickbag who tried to take some woman who didn't love him because he decided he wanted her. Being a vampire is just icing on the cake. So your characters are sort of... The, the, the problem with Ravenloft is your characters can always be that person if they go a little bit too far on the obsessive side. They can always get, you know, a little too, you know, they can always want something a little too much or, or cross the line a few too many times. And when you do that, the things that run or live or are Ravenloft take notice. Some people say it's the Mists. Some people say it's a different entity that kind of watches from above. But it will notice you if you're being shitty in the same way the Dark Lords are shitty. And it'll and it's very explicit on this, it'll reward you for it. But the reward you get isn't the reward you probably want. It's very much a Stephen King ironic punishment sort of affair. Um, So yeah, that is the setting. The pretense for this game is we have a bunch of people here, and we all wanted to play characters that were in a town in Barovia um, that would bounce off each other, and the, the sort of horror stories and tropes in the game and you know make an adventure out of it stay in one place don't try to travel around all of ravenloft to solve all the problems like an adventuring party but see what kind of drama you could build up from like kind of the, the soap opera pretense of you're in one place and you all know each other um yeah i think that covers the basics should we go to characters next I suppose so. yeah. all right uh who would like to go first oh well go ahead. Okay, uh, I guess I'll start
2: with my character Jack Angus. He's from the real world because yes. in Ravenloft you can go to mist from anywhere and end up in Ravenloft. So I figured hey, why not have a person that knows the tropes and knows that they are tropes <laughs> basically. So yeah, I uh, figured he'd be from you know uh, around World War I area. He's from Australia, he was a medical student, got drafted, got in the war in the Europe for you know the Great King of Britain and all that. The Great War, the yeah. war to end all wars. Yeah, the war, and yeah, I'm figuring that you know where he was. You know, got gas at one point because hey, you know, gas warfare—that's so much fun in World War One. Oh, and you, that, you got the real horror of the Great War, the introduction of chemical warfare. Yeah, and that was the mist that took him to Ravenloft. Oh
0: my Christ, that's dark. <laughs> you're, you're in a fucking coma. <laughs> You're like that soldier from The Bell Jar and the Butterfly who has all his limbs and eyes and ears destroyed so he only talks by, t- by Morse coding his stumps out to his nerves. <laughs> oh, Christ. Having <laughs> I mean, vivid hallucinations. What the fuck is that movie called? Jacob's Ladder? Yeah, good lord. That's,
2: wow. <laughs> so yeah, so he ended up here about a decade ago and, you yeah, know, he's been living here. He's, you know, got the remnants of his you know military equipment and he decided, hey... You know, I know how to heal people. I'll you know be useful here, and he became the you know town doctor basically with his modern sort of knowledge of medicine and you know how to treat people and you know, this sort of things. You know, not everything translates exactly, but yeah, you know, with some scientific knowledge, you can start applying that and trying to figure out how to actually cure people here because oh my god, this place needs some.
0: <laughs> and yeah, that's just his you think. He's the healer type. Yeah, for reference listeners, that's exactly how Ravenloft works. You originally, when it was like a very bare-bones campaign setting, the pretense was you were probably adventurers in, I'm going to say, Faerun, Greyhawk, or Mystera, the original AD&D settings, and ooh, the mist swallowed you up, and oh, there's Castle Ravenloft! Do the module, and oh no, the mist took you back to your place! You escaped! That was the, the setup for the original Ravenloft loops uh, before it became a fleshed-out campaign setting where the pretense was you just are, you're just born in the dying Plains of Dread, and you die there. Yep. So people being imported is basically how 50% of most of the NPCs in Ravenloft even got here. Yep. Who's next? Uh, I'll go next. So Asher is this half-elf drunk, as I mentioned before. He lives around town. He does basic labor. Uh, he was basically brought into town by his mother, who was this elven woman. She stumbled into town and promptly died after giving birth of his you know origins and whatnot are a mystery he basically spends a lot of his time just doing odd jobs for people around town you know protecting their sheep going to the forests doing grunt work that no one else really wants to do or is it brave enough to do um,
1: yeah there isn't much
0: else to him well your character's half-elf and it bears pointing out for that for context Ravenloft is a very much isolationist and fear of the other setting. So people who aren't the norm are almost naturally shunned by everyone. Your character being half-elven means you're not human, Mm -hmm. and 97% of everyone in Barovia is human. So just instinctually, for no good reason, your character's shunned. Oh, yes, yes. Or the other. Because elves are this unknowable, immortal thing that just, you know exist out there they're strange and mystical yeah Ravenloft does a really good job of reflavoring the various D races that got included um to be a little more compelling like elves are nihilistic partiers kind of kind of yeah. a little it's not really important no all right okay <clears throat> all right just uh talk up to the mic sure uh I'm oh quite... also sorry i didn't need to interrupt you but this is tyler tyler is now part of the group <laughs> Hello, Tyler. <laughs> I just made a gesture, but I guess that doesn't get to... Yeah, you'll exactly. be, be doing a lot of hand <clears throat> gestures to the mic. So uh, I'm playing uh, Phineas Grosfellow, who is a human inventor. He's an optimist in a dark place. Um, he was born in Barovia, and he attempts to improve his lot and the lot of others around him through science, uh, especially through weird science. So he tinkers around with a lot of gadgets and clockwork devices. Uh, and tries to invent his way out of most situations.
2: Yeah, so that's one of the savage world things gonna be a weird scientist.
0: Yeah, perfect. you can do. You can basically have a niche that you can be an inventor. Like there's there's not a lot to really go on on that. It's nice. It's yep. So, largely flavor for a lot of the specifics of it. It's a pretty cool problem solving tool. It makes you a gadgeteer basically. Mm. But in, in a, it's more grounded than say don't uh, exalt its craft system for being a gadgeteer, where your gadgetering is I built an aqueduct overnight. <laughs> <laughs> it's made of gold. At these are not lead. Child bones. <laughs> Child skulls.
1: I am Nicole. I'm playing Anika Oxinger. I'm also a native of Barovia. Um, my family's been in whatever the town is going to be called, for many generations at this point. Kreswick. Oh, yeah, I forgot what the it's for actual it. place. It's a production
0: place. Yes, yeah. um,
1: yeah, so my family's been in this town for generations, although, I mean, my character's very old at this point. She's a grandmother, so all the older generation of her family are gone. She has children now. Uh, she and her brothers started the local inn or tavern, slash tavern, rather. She, her son now runs it, uh, and she's kind of retired, but, you know, she still has her nose in everyone's business. Um, She, as a side note, has uh, weird cat-like eyes that kind of also sets her apart from people, and most of the women in her family also inherited it. Strange note, that means she can talk to cats. Kitty cats. And also see in the dark. And also, she can see ghosts, but that's unrelated.
0: <laughs> it's an unrelated power.
1: Unre- unrelated eye-based power. She can also see and talk to ghosts. And has since she's soft, saw her dad get murdered when she was young.
0: Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, point.
1: Um, I don't know what else to say. She's old.
0: That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, listeners, what we did for this game. Was We did two things. One, I ripped out the debt system from the Powered by the Apocalypse game, Urban Shadows, and we went round table and picked an archetype each and applied it to the characters and then traded debts. And that accomplished setting up all the players to know each other's characters in a very connected and structured way. So out the gate, all the characters are very invested in each other. I don't know how much detail we really want to go into that, because I think it would amount to us just reading off the sheets. Yeah, Yeah. basically. That seems dull. Pretty much.
2: One person's, you know, helping
0: another person, like, I don't know, medically, or getting stuff for that person. We'll probably link a public doc and you can check up on it and be like, oh, that's neat, and then not. I mean, it's going to come
1: up in-game anyway, so. Basically,
0: all the characters owe or are owed debts from all the other characters, but not in a, it's asymmetrical. So it's not a nice, happy, medium circle. Some people only owe a lot to one person, but some people owe to other people, and it chains itself in a way that everyone can work together and call in favors on each other. Yep. The other thing we did is, do you know the name of the cards? The Peter? Backstory Cards. Yeah. We Peter picked up Backstory Cards from DriveThru. Yep, from DriveThru. And it's a neat little card print you can get that lets you create incidents and backstory for your game before the game starts. That ties the characters to each other a little more, ties them to the setting more, and generates important plot points. And out of random, out of thin air, when we did two rounds of it, we created a fairly compelling and almost mundane um, uh, inciting incident for this game, which is there is a mine in Kresik that a merchant company wants to have sole control of and is doing weird stuff in the mine that various characters know about, and one of the characters is an inheritor to the mine and full rights to it, Another one wants it for you know working on gear and stuff. Another one is obsessed with the character that owns it. Like it's this whole thing that just basically makes the game go from session one, which we haven't recorded yet. Yep. So we recommend that. I'm sure we'll include a link to those things somewhere. Yep. Uh, anything else? Anything else people want
2: to? OK. I mean, the backstory card did flesh that out as a, because uh, through sheer randomness, a couple of things converge on the same location, basically. But there also there are a couple uh, plot points there that are not connected. Like
0: oh, there was some incident, in the wolves that only two characters are involved with, it. or something like that. So little branch offs yeah. so that we can expand upon, and we'll get their own uh, mm-hmm, get their own kind of time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of neat. We basically built ourselves a nice solid myth arc in the middle around the mine, with branching off you know episodes of the week for the things like the, the, the fairy issue that <clears throat> Kevin and Peter generated. And the serial-killing thing that we generated for Tyler and Nicole, it's all over the place. <laughs> yep. And to be clear, is.
1: neither of us is the serial no killer.
0: No one here is a serial killer. Except, I don't know, Peter, if you consider war a serial killing, but that's a whole other thing. Respect the troops. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the last thing to talk about is uh, the version of Ravenloft we're using. So I had a lot of the books from the Sword and Sorcery imprint. But I don't have them on hand anymore, because books are hard to move around places. So, off the top of my head, I looked up if someone did a conversion of Ravenloft to Savage Worlds. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it, there's a site called the Fraternity of Shadows, and they've been the Ravenloft fan community for decades now. Decades. And they've always been putting together cool fiction, doing contests, throwing together like interesting stuff, and collating information from the various books over the years. And someone on there put together Ravenloft Reincarnated, which is a full 270-page, full of art, formatted properly, structured PDF um, that is a full Ravenloft campaign setting. Um, And it's very well put together. And Fraternity of Shadows hosts it. We'll probably include a link to the Fraternity of Shadows page just so you can take a look. And um, yeah, it's great. Um, it breaks down all the different Ravenloft domains by a brief overview of them and the themes and literature they're inspired from to make it more accessible to people who are new to the setting. It also covers things that weren't originally covered in the setting. like One of the examples we have to bring up, because we came up when we were talking about Ravenloft for Godbound game, is there are people in Ravenloft called Vistani, which are magical, traveling wanderers that were super heavily based off of stereotypes of Romani people and had a lot of unfortunate bullshit tied to it. And the Savage Worlds book gives you ways to keep them and cutting all the horrible baggage away from them, and a bunch of other stuff, too. It's an excellent little guide, like, storyteller's guide to navigating Ravenloft uh, without having to go through all the old books, even though the old books are excellent. The sword and sorcery stuff is really good. Um, but yeah, Fraternity of Shadows. Check out their site. You'll see the conversion there. Uh, great little community. And I think that's everything for an intro. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Goals for this game were to keep it low to the ground, uh, like like visceral gothic horror, personal stuff. Um, you know, themes of isolation, themes of man against man. Um, the idea that you can't really leave Perovia, not because it's magic, but because where would you go? It's this big mountainous place covered in nothing and monsters. But not really monsters. Wolves. But they're werewolves. But they're wolves. Werewolves don't exist. Which is horrific. Werewolves and vampires don't exist as far as people are concerned. It's a very ignorant place because people hide the supernatural from each other. For sanity's sake. <laughs> um. Yeah. So this whole season that we have planned out is just kind of taking a look at that, seeing what Ravenloft looks like, um, using a system that wasn't originally made for it, and just trying to see what the setting can bring forward for us. I don't think I have anything else. That's it. Alright. Short intro, right? Short? Yeah. So, I'm Devin. Nicole. Tyler. Kevin. And Peter. And this is sponsored by Nobody, signing off.